Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. The last Sunday for 2018, who thinks that this year has gone very quickly? So uh, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, New Year's Eve service is going to be fantastic. Tomorrow night, make sure you come out for that as we just welcome in the new year together. We're going to pray and, you know, just really, uh, there's something about firsts, you know, and being in the presence of God at the beginning of the new year. I believe it's something significant, something powerful. And, uh, you know, I believe that when we honor God, then when we put him first, he comes and blesses our lives. Who knows that? Uh, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. I'm doing a little two-part mini-series, and uh, I'm going to conclude it tomorrow night at our New Year's Eve service, so make sure that you come along uh, for that. But uh, I've told my message today, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 says this, Now, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. You know, before we knew God as healer, redeemer, saviour, provider... We see him as creator. Our first understanding of God in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 is that we see God as a creator. At the very birth of history, we see God actively creating. We see this throughout the word of God. Psalm 139 verse 13. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in your mother's womb. Psalm 148. Verse 4 to 5 says, Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were? They were created. So I want to ask you as we come into 2019, as we finish 2018, what is God going to create out of your life? What is God going to create out of your circumstance? What is God going to create out of your current situation that you are living in right now? What is God going to create out of your family? What is God going to to create out of the challenges that you are facing right now? Because when we read it in the book of Genesis, when God creates something, it is good. Come on, who knows that this morning? You know, when we try to make things happen... It doesn't always turn out good. If you believe that, say amen. When we try to force things, when we try to create things out of our own desire. But the Bible says that when God creates something, it is good. You know, this year, next year, God wants to create good things out of our lives. Good things. It's often a challenge to think about being an intentional architect, you know, out of your inner world and what God wants to do in your life. And, uh, you know, maybe you get to the end of the year and it's been a chaotic, crazy year. You know, someone once said, and I love this statement, someone once said, the world is simple only when it behaves. The world is simple only when it behaves. Let's be honest, our world is simple 
when everything behaves the way that we think it should. But the reality is, come on, you and I don't live in that type of world. But I do believe that God wants to create something powerful out of our lives in the midst of a chaotic, misbehaving world. Can you believe that God can create something powerful out of your life in a world right now that is all over the place? You know, I've come to realise this in life. I've been pondering on this particular passage for a number of months. You know, I think often in life there are three different modes that people operate in. There is the reactive mode. And uh, where we are reacting in life. A reactive life is always looking behind you, not looking ahead. A reactive life is always looking over your shoulder, always on the rebound, always having to bounce back. There's another issue. I've got to bounce back. There's another problem. I've got to rebound for that. Now, there are seasons of reaction that you and I go through. But let me say this. Reactive living as a mode of operandum is surviving, not thriving. If all you are ever doing in life is just reacting to the challenges and the problems that come your way, then all you are doing is surviving and not thriving, rather than actually letting God be in control. You know, I don't believe that our faith is a reactive faith. I believe our faith is a faith that is always on the front foot. Jesus sent out his disciples into a very challenging world. He didn't say to them, now that you've got the good news, you've got to keep it to yourself and we've got to make sure that we cover the back doors and we've got to make sure that we're hiding and, and that we are protecting ourselves. No, the Bible says that he sent them out. He didn't keep them in. He sent them out. It's a reactive life. The second thing that I often see people do is that they live in preservation mode. Preservation mode. I'm just going to put my life on hold. I'm just going to hold it together. I'm just going to hold on. I'm just going to maintain what I've got. Now, there's nothing wrong with seasons like that, especially when you go through a difficult moment in life and you go through a challenge, and sometimes you're just going to put things on hold. But as a standard, as a mode for living, I just don't believe that's the way that God has called you and I to live. You know, the problem is... You can put your life on hold, but you can't put your time on earth on hold. You can put your life on hold, but your time on earth is still clicking over. You know, time keeps clicking. The idea of putting our lives on hold is really a false misleading statement. Nothing in the universe stands still. Some things you leave on hold and they rot. Have you ever left some food in the fridge on hold? My kids often with their lunchbox, they'll forget to pull it out of their bag. And over the holidays, there is an apple, there is a ham sandwich that has been put on hold. I don't need to pull that thing out of the, uh, out of the, 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 uh, the bag, it crawls out on its own. You know, some things you leave on hold, they just become obsolete. You know, years ago, I was ministering to a business guy, a very, very wealthy business guy in Southeast Asia who had one of the largest distribution businesses in terms of a particular piece of um, technology. And uh, he went through a season where customs held up his particular stock. Uh, and we're talking, you know, 
tens of millions of dollars of stock for a period of like six to 12 months. You know, the problem is that when it was released, it was old technology. It was on hold, but now it had become obsolete. Look what Jesus says about this when it comes to the servants and the talents. Luke chapter 19, verse 13, he talks about the servants. He gives them talents or minas, as the Luke translation says. And he says, put this money to work. So off they go. They begin to work hard and get ready for the master's return. And the Bible says in Luke 19, verse 20, the final servant came to him and he said, sir, here's your mina. I've kept it. I've laid it away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. The Bible says that he put it away, right? That word laid away means to reserve, to keep things in reserve. Many people in life put their talents on reserve. They put their energy on reserve. They put their desire to do things on the kingdom on reserve. It's just not the right time. I'm just going to put things on reserve. Let me say this. It is never going to be the right time. But the reality is, if you hang on to it, if you don't use it, you lose it. And what we see here is that the Lord comes to him and he says, well, you know, we're going to take that. We're going to give it to the guy who has the most. Because if you don't lose it, if you don't use it, then you will lose it. Church, don't put your life on hold this year. It's time to rise up. It's time to take ground. It's time to move forward. It's time to believe God. It's time to believe for the unexpected. The final one is this. You can be either live reactive you can live preservative, or the final one is if you can live proactive or creative. Right? God comes into a situation here in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, and he starts to create. Let me just say this before I talk about that. Uh, God wants to create something amazing out of what you have in front of you today. Many people want God to create a life outside of the life that they're living now, right? I heard this the other day, a secretary and a paralegal and a partner were in a city law firm and they're walking through the park on their way to lunch when all of a sudden they found an antique oil lamp. Well, they rubbed it and a genie comes out in a puff of smoke. Genie says, now, I usually only grant three wishes, so I'll get each and every one of your wish. Me first, me first, said the secretary. I wish to be in the Bahamas. Driving a speedboat without a care in the world. She's gone. Me next, me next, said the paralegal. I want to be in Hawaii, relaxing on the beach with my personal masseuse and an endless supply of iced tea. And with me holding my hand, rubbing my fingertips, the love of my life. She's gone. You're next, the genie said to the partner of the law firm. The partner says, I wish that those two are back in the office after lunch. You know, I heard this saying the other day, looking after yourself is not always about holidays and relaxing and the moments that we need to do that, right? But it's not always about holidays and relaxing, moments of spa treatments and pampering. Looking after yourself is about building a life that you are not always trying to escape from. I want to say this to you today. God wants you to build a life that you are not always trying to eject your mind out of because you are so dissatisfied and so discouraged with the life that you're living now. 
God wants you to enjoy the life that you're living now. A productive life, an effective life, a blessed life, a life where God is using you to your absolute max. And maybe this life, this life that God wants you to be blessed in, maybe out of this life, not some imaginary life, but this current life, church, God is going to create something amazing. Now, when God creates, there are a few things that we see here in Genesis. But you're getting something out of this this morning. When God creates, there are a few things here that we see in Genesis. Number one, God brings order. He brings order. Before he creates a world of lush beauty and wonder and amazement, he needs to bring order. You know, it's a powerful idea that if we want this to be a creative year, if we want this year, no, sorry, next year to be an effective year, a year where God's going to create something new out of a life, then it has to be a year of order. Now, we often like to speak about order in the beginning of the year, new goals and visions and purpose. But one thing I've realized in life is that order often precedes anything of value. We get a new tool. We have to reorder the whole shed. We get a new piece of furniture. We have to reorder the whole living room. The whole room needs to be painted in order to fit in with a new piece of furniture. You know, a while back, we changed the curtains in our house. The curtains were old and drab and, you know, horrible. And so we, Franklin wanted to change, so we changed the curtains. And she looked at the room, she goes, the room just doesn't fit the curtains now. You need to paint the room. <laughs> All right, I'll paint the room. Painted the lounge, we got to the end. The architraves don't fit the room anymore. You gotta change the architraves. And the list went on and on and on and on and on. Now when Frankie gets that look in her eye, I'll look the other way. <laughs> there are some looks in her eye I enjoy, but there are other ones like that that I actually want to stay away from. <laughs> a baby comes into the world. We reorder the room. We paint it. We buy stuff because of the baby. Order tells us of the things that we value. In Genesis, there is a creative order. There is a daily order. You know, in life, there is a routine order. I've realized this in life, that people that value their time are people of great order. People that don't care about their time, people that waste their time, are often people that don't have great order in their lives. One of my favorite passages is Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. It says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. The Bible says a man without order is like a city without walls. There are no limits. There are no boundaries. Anything can come in. Anything can rob your peace. Anything can take away your joy. The first job that man ever had was in Genesis 2 verse 15. And God took man. He set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground. And I think it says in the New Living Translation, and to keep it in order. The King James says to dress it and to keep it. I like that. To make it look good. To look after it. I want you to notice a couple of things that God brings order to. The Bible says in the beginning, the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface. You know the word formless in the Hebrew literally means chaos. Chaotic. Waste. And void. God brings order to the chaos. 
but God also brings order to the darkness. You know, the word chaos means a void of any shape or direction of purpose. The idea of chaos here in the Hebrew word for formless is the idea likened to a man that is dropped into the middle of the desert. It's a trackless desert. He has no direction. He can lose his way and die. It's the same word that is used about Jacob in Deuteronomy 32 verse 10. In a desert land he found him. In a barren and howling waste he shielded him and he cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. In Job it gives the same idea, Job 6 verse 18. Caravans turn aside from their routes. They go off into the wasteland and perish. Not in terms of chaos, in terms of a lot of activity, but chaos in terms of an environment that has no direction, no purpose. Chaos is the direct opposite to order. And God speaks the word and brings order, direction, purpose. He speaks and the world is formed with its boundaries and limitations. You know, often in the world today, we don't like the word boundary. We don't like the word limitation, but the reality is God brought limitations and boundaries to the heavens and the earth so that it can thrive and grow. Jesus did the same thing to us. It's interesting that Leighton, I believe God is speaking to us this morning, it's interesting that Leighton uses this passage in John 14 verse 6. Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Church, this statement is more than just an end result. He is saying, if you are like that man in the middle of a trackless desert, you have lost your way. There is chaos in your world. God brings direction and purpose. God brings order back into the chaos. He points us in the right direction. We are not in our faith in a desert, not knowing which way to go. When we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, he's given us the right way. He's given us the right purpose. He's given us the right direction. We are not not knowing where to go in life, but we have the ability to get purpose and order into every single area of our lives. I've got to tell you this, I've met people, you know, that have had incredible success in life, but they have no order in their inner world. They don't know why they exist. They don't know why they've been put on this planet. And so it's just chaotic on the inside. But Jesus Christ came to give you and I order in all areas of our life. Our walk with God is not just some warm, fuzzy experience to experience, right? He wants to position us to bring order into our world. Right? You want to go deeper? Look at the way that Jesus did his miracles or the way that Jesus describes the kingdom. Right? Matthew 12, verse 43 to 45. It's one of the most misinterpreted passages of Scripture. He's talking about the kingdom of God and he says when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Because whenever God gets involved in our lives, he brings order. But then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. They go in and they live there. The final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. Right? It's the same idea. 
It's a powerful concept. The young man, right, talking about someone who's been delivered. The house is back in order, right? The issue of this passage is actually about the discipleship that God wants to bring into our world, right? This man does nothing to prevent the return of the problem. The house is unoccupied. What's the point of this story? That demons can enter people as simply as this? No, that's not the point of this story. That this man has made no effort to put boundaries and governance into his life so that this won't happen again. That's what, this, that's what the scripture is talking about. Jesus comes and does a miracle. He comes and moves powerfully into our world. He comes and reorders our life. We ask for forgiveness. He reorders that broken heart. He mends it. He puts it back together. We have fractured thinking about ourselves. We think that we're useless. We think that we're hopeless. The world has told us that we have no value. And yet we come and we give our lives to Jesus. And he says, I, if it was just you that would have been on this planet, I would have died just for you. You are the apple of my eye. I love you and I care for you. And he sets us free from every depression. He sets us free from everything that would hold us back on the inside. He reorders our thinking. Reorders our mind. But if we don't put boundaries in that, if we don't bring governance to that, if we don't just say, you know what, God, I'm now going to follow the discipleship pathway that you have for my life. I'm going to allow you now, I'm going to learn from your word how to bring governance and boundaries. The problem is, often that moment of breakthrough should last a lifetime, but for many people, they go back to the old because they just haven't brought governance and order back into their world. Come on. You know what I'm saying this morning? Have you ever read some about someone who won the lottery and now is broker than when they first won it? Yeah, how does that happen? The guy has a certain amount of cash. He wins the lottery and he says, I wish it never happened to me. Right? We've won the lottery when it comes to our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, church. When it comes to personal freedom, listen, when it comes to personal freedom and breakthrough and deliverance and a sense of purpose and direction, we have won the lottery. But we need to bring order into our world. In Genesis, out of chaos, God brought order, structure, laws of sowing and reaping, the morning, the evening, the limits of the day, the limits of the night, the boundaries. He split the heavens and the earth. The seas, this is as far as you can go. The boundaries and the laws, he brought order. And because of that, the earth began to thrive. And then he says to man in Genesis 2 verse 15, God took man, set him down to the Garden of Eden to work the ground and to keep it in order. Allowing God to order your world so that you don't go back to the old. The second thing that God brings order to is he brings order to the darkness. Now, God doesn't create darkness, and you would have heard this phrase before, it's a well-known phrase, is that darkness is really an absence of light. Where there's no light, there's darkness. Right? So God doesn't create darkness, right? Darkness is there. Darkness is as a result of an absence of light. But what God does do, he names the darkness. In the Old Testament, whenever something is named... It declared that the person who named that personal thing had authority over that issue. 
Right? So God says to Adam, name the animals. You can bring governance to the earth. Right? God names the darkness. He's basically saying to us, I've got authority over the darkness. You may be going through a dark season, but God has got authority over that. The enemy does not have the final authority over those dark areas of your life. But God has got authority over every time that you go through a dark period in your life. God brings order to the chaos, and God brings order to the darkness. I want to pray for two things this morning. Proverbs 24, verse 27 says, Put your outdoor work in order, get your fields ready, and after that, build your house. It's basically saying, get your resources ready so that God can use you to build your house in an effective manner. Maybe your resources is a skill set. Maybe your resource needs to be an open door. I'm going to pray that God orders your resource so that you can build everything that God has called you to build in 2019. The second thing I do want to pray for today is for people, rather than always trying to escape, God wants you to build the life that he's given you today. You know, the reason why there's so much media that is out there is because we live in a world that is always trying to escape. The reason why there is addiction, the reason why there is a need for drugs, the reason why there are so many social problems in the world today is very simple. People want to escape the life that they're building today. But I pray in 2019 that you enjoy the life that God has given you to build. Right? As Christians, we don't need to escape the life that we're building today. I'm not trying to minimise your circumstances. Maybe some of us have been through a hell of a year. Maybe some of us are going through a very, very difficult season right now. I pray the greatest miracle that God can do in 2019, that in next year, in the year that he's called you to build, that you're not building something that you're always trying to escape from, eject from, walk away from, but you are building something that is going to be of great value, great blessing, that is going to make you fruitful and effective in the kingdom of God. Church, I'm telling you, it's one of our biggest challenges, you know. The third thing I'm going to pray for is that there are people here today, you've put your life on hold. You've put your gifts and your talents on hold. You have put the resources that God has given you on hold. But the reality is you're not getting any younger. None of us are. You know, next year, lo and behold, it's going to be a shock for many people. I turn 50. Now, I know that I... Oh, thank you. It's like an achievement. You know, it's like that. You know. We were celebrating one of my nieces. Um, she's having a baby. And I remember when she was born. And now she's having a baby. Oh, my Lord. You know. And rather than thinking about her and the baby, I was thinking about myself. <laughs> you know. The reality is, is that life keeps ticking on. We have a limited time left on earth. We don't know when our time on earth would finish. But I don't know about you, but I want to be like the apostle. Whatever that moment may be, I've poured myself out to the end. I have left nothing in reserve. And whether I live to 100, whether I live for another 10 years, it doesn't matter that when God has said my time on earth is done, I've poured myself out. I've kept nothing in reserve.
Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.